0: More Than Conquerors is supported by the generous gifts of listeners like you. You can find us online by going to livingwordchurch.org. Welcome to the More Than Conquerors new fall 2022 radio season and Pastor Ray Higistilianos' dynamic 11-part series premiere entitled, It's Time to Set Your Spiritual Priorities. Each and every day, in order to get to the next day in an orderly fashion, our lives are best run by prioritizing the worldly tasks that need to be done. If setting worldly priorities are so important, how much more important is it to set spiritual priorities too? After all, didn't God command us to seek ye first the kingdom of God? And why is it that when things are prioritized spiritually in our lives, everything else in the natural seems to line up too? Why does Pastor identify seeking fellowship with God and developing faith through stronger prayer as intimate spiritual priorities? Here's more of Pastor Ray's first four life-changing lessons on the importance of why it's time to set your spiritual priorities.
1: Tonight, I just want to talk to you very simply um, as your pastor. And um, uh, this is a really simple message, but I think one that needs uh, repeating and one that needs to be um, put before us. I know myself, I've, I've had to look at some of these things that I'm gonna share with you today in my own life. We're still in the beginning of the new year. How many of you are, you know, have gotten off, you feel like you've gotten off to a good start? So my focus is still trying to give uh, some practical things that we can do and should do at the beginning of this year. And one of the things that I wanna talk about tonight is priorities. And And I'm not gonna talk about I may, at another session, maybe next week, um, I'm not going to talk about, you know, family first, or God first, family. I want to talk about spiritual priorities. Because when things are right with us spiritually, now, now can we talk? Can we be honest? When things are right spiritually in our lives, everything else is going to just line up with it and be all right as well. Usually when things go out of kilter, in in the natural things in our life, when, you know, the family starts having trouble and our mind starts to wander and we have financial problems and we have emotional problems and we have family problems and relational problems and work problems. Am I talking to anybody here today? Usually, you can point it back to some spiritual issue that's going on in our life or, let me say it better than this, some spiritual issue that's not going on in our life that ought to be going on in our life. And, and it's so easy for us um, to get distracted and to get waylaid, waylaid from the spiritual priorities that we all know. This is not new information that I'm going to give you tonight. You all know this stuff, but we need to be reminded and be set back uh, you know, in, in, in order and be sure that we are doing these things and, and that these priorities remain a priority in our life. Because if they do remain a priority, then I trust and I believe and I believe it's It's true, I've seen it in my own life and life of others, that everything is gonna go a lot smoother in our life. It's so easy for us to drift away from the spiritual priorities. It's so easy for us to get so distracted by life's challenges. And the word of God, Jesus addressed it. It's right here in in front of us. And as a pastor, um, the thing that I see most when I deal with people is how distracted people are, how encumbered they are by life. And we're really instructed by the Word of God to not allow life to do us over, you know? We're instructed by the Word to not let life jerk us around. But yet I see so many of God's people being absolutely tugged around by the cares and the worries and the frustrations of this life. And that is the first thing that will jerk us out of our priorities or get our priorities mixed up in life. And it seems so simple. You know, I I don't know about you, but the, the, the older I'm getting, the more I realize how simple the things of God really are. I wanted to start in, in Matthew's Gospel, very uh, familiar verse, passages of Scripture, but I'm going to um, I'm gonna start um, in verse 19. And it says here, do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, let me just talk about that for a minute. I don't believe that Jesus is saying that we shouldn't have savings accounts, that we shouldn't have investments, that we shouldn't, you know, because we have a lot of scriptures that we looked at that point in the other direction. But what he's saying is that don't let these things become your, your God. Don't worship these things where you're laying them them up and worshiping them. And they become, listen, listen, they become your security. Things cannot be your security because things change. God has to be your security. Is everybody with me? All right. So he's saying here, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right? So wherever your money is, wherever you, your your money is or your things are, Jesus says that's where your heart's going to be. And you could tell where a person's heart is by what they spend their most time with. Where they invest their money. But you can tell where a person's heart is by what they're willing to invest their money in. Is everybody with me? person who's really into football has no problem paying $2000 to sit in the nosebleed section and freeze their butts off. Yes. And overpay for the sandwiches and the bottle of water and the candy and everything else that's there. They're willing to fight the traffic all the way from here to, you know, New Jersey because their heart is in it. And wherever you wherever wherever you put your money, that's where your heart's going to be. So he goes on to say, verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? We can't get so hung up in this natural life that this is all we spend our time consumed with, taking care of our body, our life, our needs, you know, all of these natural things. If we're not careful, we'll consume us. And get our spiritual priorities out of sync or out of order. Does everybody see that? So Jesus is giving a warning here. And we need to take that warning. We need to remind ourselves. And he says, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? This is something that we really need to meditate on. We've got to see what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, look at the birds. They're doing fine. They're not dropping out of, the, out of the trees or out of the sky for hunger. Does everybody, everybody understand that? And most of us probably don't even put bird seed out in the winter. They're still, they still manage to find food even in the dead of winter. Because God is providing for them. So Jesus said, if the birds of the air are being taken care of, how much more will your heavenly Father take care of you? So he says, verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Worrying. Which of you by worrying, worrying. Now, I don't want to go around the room tonight and check out what your worry level is. Because I can tell by the look on your face that some of you are worried about stuff. But, but the question that Jesus poses to us, he says, Which of you by worrying can add one cubit, one measure, one inch, one whatever to your life or to, to, your, to your stature? Can worrying increase you is basically what he's saying. Does worrying have any positive results is basically what he's saying. He says, so then he asks the question, he says, so why do you worry then? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more, I want everyone to underline much more, everybody say much more, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you, now listen, he goes, oh, you of little faith. So, he begins to identify the problem. He's saying, if you're not trusting God for your needs, then he says, he says, you have little faith. He says, oh, you of little faith. And then he says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God already knows what you need. God already knows where you're at. God already knows what your situation is. And if he already knows he has a way out for you, But it goes back to what Jesus said, little faith. You've got to get back to trusting God in faith for your needs because that's the only way that they're going to manifest in the natural. You can't worry about them. You've got to start putting your faith on it. You've got to start what we said before, declaring it, speaking it, saying it with your mouth, sowing for it, giving for it, tithing for it. Is everybody with me? So he says, what are you worried about? He says, God, the Father knows and he, uh, he knows these things even before you ask him. Did you, do you think, do you think, that, it, do you think that, that your need, the need that you have today, caught God by surprise? Your business challenge, do you think that caught God by surprise? Do you know that God knew that before the foundation of the world, before you even made it to earth? God already knew the beginning, the end from the beginning. God already knew what you, would be, you and I would be facing along the way. He even knows the choices we're going to make. He already knows, but what he's looking for from his children are to trust him by faith for those needs. All right, so he says all that to say this, but, and I'm just going to give you Pastor Razor, but you, you seek first, everybody say first, the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So we've got to keep first things first. What ought to be the first spiritual priority in every believer's life, and that is seeking God. The minute you stop seeking God, and you see, this is, this is a trick of the enemy, because the enemy wants you to seek everything else but God himself. And if we're not careful, we find ourselves running down this, uh, this, this path and that path, seeking things, or seeking our needs, or seeking things other than God himself. You know, you shouldn't seek things. You shouldn't even seek wisdom. You shouldn't seek answers. What you ought to do is seek God himself. God, you are my wisdom. You are my strength. You are my answers. So the very first priority above all priorities is to seek God in his kingdom. Seek the things of God first and above all. So I, I like to say this because... And I'm going to give you several priorities tonight. But the very first priority is we ought to be we ought to be seeking our fellowship with God, being the number one priority in our life. Do you realize that? How many of you know that the minute you got born again, that you entered into relationship with God? But how many of you also understand that there's a difference between relationship and fellowship? Let me give you an example. You could get married, and you could truly. Have a marriage relationship, but not every marriage relationship has proper fellowship. Just because you're married don't mean that you're fellowshipping right because I, I 've I've counseled over the years lots of married couples that even though they were in a relationship, they had no fellowship going on. They lost the fellowship a long time ago, and they're always nagging each other or fighting or, or they so they were so uh, driven so far apart that one doesn't even know what the other's doing anymore, because they've lost their fellowship. When you're in, when you're in fellowship uh, with someone, there's a close bond and a close union that nothing, you know, there's nothing that's going on in your life that the other doesn't know. You're conversing, you're talking, you're sharing, you're being honest, you're being open, you're spending time together. And this is this is like the very first thing that the enemy loves to try to um, you know, uh, draw Christians away from is this fellowship with God. You see, every day we ought to be seeking Him. Every day we ought to be seeking His kingdom. Every day we ought to be, we ought to be fellowshipping with God. And you say, well, Pastor, that sounds so spiritual. It's not spiritual at all. You see, that's the problem most, most Christians. We're trying to make things so spiritual and the devil loves to make things sound, you know, religious because then it's out of our reach. What is fellowshipping with God? It's simple, man. It's really, really... Let want me to tell you how how stinking simple it is to fellowship with God? You get up in the morning and say, hello, God. Thank you. Thank you that my feet hit the floor this morning, God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that I had a good night's sleep. And I'm well. And here I am, Lord. I love you. And I, I declare that even before I get started. I love you more than life itself. And God, today, I'm a blank slate. Tell me, Lord, what you... I am yours. My ear is totally turned towards you. I put all of my own wants and will and desire aside. And all I do is I listen to you, God, because there's nothing that I desire more than you. See, you you, got to tell God that. And there's something about telling the Lord that there's nothing you want or desire in this earth more than him. Often, you know, often, and you tell me this is not true, In your life many times you know distractions come into my life Uh, temptations come into my life just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean I don't get tempted can we talk can I be honest right we're all humans Jesus was tempted what makes us think that you know that we wouldn't be tempted all kinds of things want to come in. And every time that stuff comes in, this is what I do. I go back to this and say, God, there's nothing I desire more than you. I desire you and nothing else, Lord. You are you are my all in all. You fulfill every need, every want, and every desire in my life. Because it's all about you. Am I speaking to anybody here today? You see, you see, you see, that's how you that's how you fight the enemy. That's how you get your, your brain back to where it needs to be, keeping your priorities correct. Number one priority is fellowshipping with God. Man. You see, it, 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 it's amazing how smoothly your day will go when you just spend a little bit of time in the morning fellowshipping with God. You may, listen, you may have made a mess the night before. It may have been a sinful day, a terrible day, but when you wake up in that, in that morning, And you say, God, forgive me for all that mess yesterday. And God, your mercies are new every day. You're my Abba, Father, and you love me and I love you. And God, I thank you for cleaning me and cleansing me by the blood of Jesus. And today's a brand new day. And today, Father, I enter in to a new beginning. Today, I have a fresh start. And God, I want to please you and honor you with my life today. Help me every step of the way lead me, guide me, fellowshipping with the Father. It's very simple. We make it sound so difficult. Like, oh, thou art God in the heavens, and I'm man down here on earth. Hallelujah. I mean, come on. you got to talk to God. Sometimes I'm just talking to the Lord like I'm talking to, you know, one of you. Just having conversation. You know, asking God's help, asking His wisdom, asking His guidance. sometimes, I just don't ask him anything. I just keep telling him how much I love him and how much I appreciate all that he's done. See, that's fellowship. It's like what you would do with your husband or with your wife or with someone that you love. This is the number one priority in life. And you see many of us sitting here saying amen, looking at me, you know, uh, trying to look real spiritual. <laughs> but really the truth of the matter is when was the last time that you really fellowship with God? Get up in the morning, flip on the radio or the television or open up the magazines. Spend no time on the Word. It's another way you fellowship with God, you know, because the, the Word is God's spe- God speaking to us. And when, I don't know about you, but I open up the Word and I just meditate on a few verses and read a couple of verses. And God, God just begins to minister to me. I begin to see things I never saw before. I begin to get understanding in some areas that I never had before. Sometimes I just feel God's love all over again or I'm renewed by God's love. My strength is renewed because I'm in the word and I realize that, that you know, God is, is for me and God is strengthening me and God is helping me. I'm just reminded when I am in the word who, who God is. That's my fellowship with him. And Sometimes I just have to close my eyes and say, God, you're so awesome. What am I worried about? What am I fearing for? What am I troubled in? You are so awesome. You never let me down. You've always been there for me. And sometimes I've gotten right to the edge. Anybody know what I mean? I don't know. I don't think we're really living the way God wants us to live if we're not living on the edge a little bit. Because when we're living on the edge, it means that we are trusting God and and we're clinging to him. One verse says it this way. Um, I, I, I have it down here. Um, in John's gospel, he says, uh, chapter 15 and verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. How many of you know that the vine can hold the branches just fine? The vine's got the branches firmly fixed in itself. I mean, listen, um, you know, right now we're in the middle of winter and you see the, you see the trees, they're like bent over from the heavy snow. But those, those branches aren't going anywhere because they are firmly fixed and attached to that trunk of that tree or that vine or whatever it be. I see the vines in my yard, they're, 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 they're bent over from the heaviness of the ice and the snow, but they're not going anywhere because they are there, they are fixed, they are planted, and solidly planted in that vine and it's not going anywhere. And, and Jesus wants, wants us to be reminded, I'm the vine, you're the branches, you're firmly fixed in me. He says, he who abides in me, don't cut yourself off. He says, he who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. The fact of the matter is because you're connected to Jesus and Jesus is connected to you and he's got you firmly fixed in him. Everything that he has is flowing in you and coming out of you. You're going to show forth fruit in your life because you are connected to the vine. So what are we worried about? Why, why? So he says this and he goes on, for without me, you can do nothing. So, so you see, very first priority that we need to remind ourselves of is that we are fixed firmly in Jesus. Everything that's in Jesus is going to show up in us and come out of us if we'll just relax, man. It's like you can't be hanging out in the vine and the branch be jumping up and down and, and trying, to, trying to control. It's sort of like the, the tail wagging the dog. Well it's it's sorta of like that, right? The the tail can't wag the dog. Relax, man. Just just let 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 Jesus flow in your life and let let, let God just do what he what he does and what let let, let let it just show up in your life. You have to relax. Turn to somebody and say, relax. Just fellowship with God. If we're not careful. If we're not careful, we can be doing all the right things. We could be saying all the right words. We can have all the right activity in our lives that no one could fault us for, but the attitude behind it is wrong. We've lost a degree of spirituality. So we've got all the Christian activity. We're doing everything. Nobody can say you're not doing it. But what we've lost is a level of spirituality. Here, let me give you a, a level of passion. our fire level has diminished a little bit. And now we're just caught up in works and caught up in what we're doing. And it all stems back to to this one thing, that we've got a priority out at a line. And that first priority is fellowship with God. Because when we get back to that place, that quiet place where we sit in the presence of God, it's in that place where we are fixed. It's in that place where we are healed. It's in that place where God will deal with us, will speak to our hearts, will convict us of areas in our life that need to be convicted. It's in that place, that simple place, where we are quiet in the presence of God. And you see, this is is the very place that most Christians run from. Because most of us don't want to. We don't want to have serious fellowship with God because I think sometimes we know what God is going to say and we don't want to hear it.
0: Tune in again Monday afternoon at 2 for More Than Conquerors.